Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to Season 2 of the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back. This is Deb Crow from Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And I'm with David Breyer, LinkedIn you know, it's it's our professional playground. And I have to tell you, I meet the coolest, most amazing heart-centered leader. So before I get into this thought-provoking, brilliant conversation, which we'll call an interview, but it's really just going to be an awesome conversation. Uh, please let me give let me give some foreground to this amazing. Can I call you my friend? Because I feel like we're friends already. Absolutely. We're, we're colleagues and friends, and I'm sure by the end of this interview, you'll have a word for that. So David Breyer, branding specialist, rebranding expert. I just want to call you like the forefather of wordsmithing. Like when I listen to your voice, whether it's something on LinkedIn or you're doing a podcast, you have such a passion for the use of the English language and how you describe things makes me really want to have some fun with our questions today. I know that you are a huge contributor to Fast Company. You're doing all kinds of fun stuff with Cher Jones and Andy Foote over on Clubhouse. You just have a consistent presence. So what I love about you the most in getting to know you is you practice what you preach. And I don't want to say it in this framework, but when you're trying to sell branding, you really bring to life what you're trying to teach all of us. And that's what I love the most about you. I love your authenticity and you are a heart-centered leader. So welcome to the show, David Breyer. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it, that, I, I don't know how I'm going to live up to that introduction, but you know what? Let's bring it on. Let's, let's bring it let's, on. Let's pop the cork of this champagne. Let's do it. Okay. First leadership question, because there's always a story, right? Yeah. When I was researching you and also I had a vacation two weeks ago. What did I do on my vacation? I read your book. I read it in an afternoon. And then I wanted to give you a review to really embrace your brilliance of words. And I thought, I need to tell him where he brought me. I felt like I, I walked into a hotel and you were like the concierge saying, Deb, where do you want to go? And then I sat down to have this meal and over you came as the sommelier with the wine list. And it was like, let me take you on the tour of branding. That's And I said that to you. I said, I couldn't put your book down. Like, what a great feedback to have from someone reading your book but I love the layout I love the big font I wear trifocals like I just I loved it so here's my first question that was a really big work up to that but I just I needed to share that with you Mm -hmm. there's always a story so share with us where your love of branding came from and how it's really affected both your personal and your professional life 
Cool. Well, I mean, the, so the first thing is for those of you, for those that are and those, by the way, those of you that are listening to this in your car or while working out or something like that, I invite you to check out the actual wherever Deb is going to be posting this, because then you'll get to see the, the, the painting I'm, I'm pointing to like that, that painting, that's a painting of George Harrison. I did that when I was 14 years old. So my whole life, I've, I've loved art. I've loved creation. I've loved creativity. The aspect of branding started to the beginning of that little, the crack in that, you know, opportunity for me was in my, in my last semester of college, I saw, because I was an art major and I'm studying illustration and art and different things and da, 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 I'm planning on being an illustrator. I figured, well, how am I going to convert you know, I, the idea, like, unless you were dead, painters didn't, that was my idea. And unless you were dead, painters didn't make money, right? Illustrators, though, those are the ones that were commercial artists, quote unquote. And so that is how one made money. So I was planning that, but I saw this particular publication. It was a publication that I'd never seen before because it was something for the industry of design and typography, the art and craft of letter for letters and using letters and design and logos and stuff like that. And I had never seen a publication like this. I was like, oh my God. I saw a level of craft that married words with, with shape, with form, with turning a piece of paper that would normally in a regular magazine just be just, just paragraph after paragraph, just crap, you know, accompanied by ads and stuff like that. You know, the normal stuff one we, that we commonly see in publications you know, this was like, oh my God, this was craftsmanship and genius in action, respecting imagery, color, shape, form, concept, ideas. And that was where I got the bug for what was possible. And that was, that was probably the turning point. And then for me, it became much more comprehensive because I've used the principles that I have developed with regard to branding, I've used them for everything from helping others to delivering keynotes, to delivering webinars, to raising tens of millions of dollars for humanitarian efforts that I support. Um, and so it's not a one dimensional thing. It's not like, Oh, okay. I go to work and I do something that's, you know, two dimensional on a piece of paper or blah, 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 or, on my screen. So that's a little bit of a comprehensive answer to give you an idea of that. It's, it's like this menu of creativity for you that's limitless because every week I'm looking and you're in a, you're animated or you're on a building or you're purple and there's humor and I never know what words are going to be married with it, but I, I'm always looking forward to the next. Which is, which is great. I mean, see, to me, see, to me, that's what I love. I mean, yeah. if I can do that, I'm doing my job to get, to give you a level of expectation that you're kind of like, Ooh, what surprises there going to be today? Yeah. What's Dave up to this week? <laughs> you got it. You got it. I, I, and I think, and I think, you know, it, the greatest brands, the greatest leaders, the greatest artists, the greatest products, those, those things have an element of that too. It's like, Ooh, you gave me something that was not all predictable and according to the script. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's an excitement as an entrepreneur and a business owner, but I think when you can give 
that element of surprise to an existing client, to potential client. I think we look for that. I think it's part of a, a shopping experience, if you will. And since we're all online and have totally. been. Totally. It's well, amazing. it's like, I, I often, I'll often compare things to just ordinary life circumstance. I mean, I compare it to a restaurant. If you go to a restaurant, even if they make the most amazing, whatever it is, let's say whether it's a steak thing or whether it's a vegetarian thing or whether it's a pizza thing or whatever, and it's, and it's just great. But it's the same every time. At a, you're going to reach a threshold of like, I'd like to try something different. You know, even if it's great, even if it's brilliantly done, it's like, is there an element of, oh, wow, they did this this time. That was cool. Because, and I talk about that in the book, you know, known, unknown, that the known is what we know. The unknown is the discovery. That's like, ooh, what you got now? Well, and I think an element of surprise in our lives, especially right now, is, is welcomed with open arms. Okay, the only question that all of my guests get is the one that I think embodies the name of the podcast. I believe that we're all imperfect human beings. So share with us what imperfections do you bring to your heart-centered leadership? I would say it might, it, it might be considered an imperfection uh, for those that like very, like very um, formulaic procedural, like, okay, every time we do blank, blank, blank. Like I was just working with one of my, one of my colleagues um, on, on a project for a client and he goes, David, how come, uh, how come we're not doing the, the usual, the usual, we have a certain framework that we actually structure stuff with regard to, I said, I don't know. I haven't put my finger on exactly why, and, and I'm, I'm happy to go there, but let's just kind of riff on this a little bit. Let's, let's just toss some things back and forth and back. So it's, it's the factor that I can, I can really embrace a very fluid and a very shifting uh, framework to get the job done, because I'm, I'm never hazy about what, what the finish line is. How we get there could shift. And so that might be not exactly the most tolerable way for, for people who like very regimented ways of going about things. So that's the thing that, that, I, that I do. Like my, like my wife is brilliant. More, more, she's more systematic in, in how things get done. I'm, def, I'm without question, I'm so much less systematic, but I'm very exacting, but I'm less systematic. And so we have, we both have the same goal and that's why we get on so well. We both have a good sense of humor and we both, et cetera, et cetera. But we have different ways that we approach it. And so in that way, that's, that's the kind of thing that's kind of, that's interesting, you know, and it can. And so, you know what I love about that? It's in the leadership world. There's actually a term for it and it's called intuition management. So we have systematic leaders and then we have leaders that some sometimes go, okay, I'm anchored on, on the vision. I, I've shared my vision with you. And I normally would do A, B, and C to get there. But sometimes, and I did a post about this today, we have to have our brain and our heart and our gut all aligned. And sometimes it's not. And I think it's so interesting that you said, I haven't taken my eye off the prize. I know what the end vision is. But sometimes we need to go take a detour or we're going to jump over here and then come back. And I don't know why, but you're going with your gut. And 
I think that's part of feeding our creative self. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the outcome, you know, I mean, I, I, these days I have to watch when I, when I'm sharing certain things, because sometimes I'll do some, I'll actually do a zoom presentation and other times I'm like, okay, I, I have to share this with you. Da, 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 da. And, and with this one, I could tell, I could tell she was going to be fine, but there was a, and but I shared it with her and she was like, oh my God. She was like, her mind was blown. But similarly two two and a half weeks ago, I, I was called up a client and I said, Hey, here, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you exactly where, where your brand is and what's your story and what's your, this and the new name and this, that, the other, I said, but it sounds like you're driving. He goes, I am. I said, and this was right after Tiger Woods had driven off the driven off that cliff. And so I said, we're not going to have a Tiger Woods moment, dude. I said, I know if I read this to you, you your mind would be blown. You ride right off the road. I said, so you let me know when you get back to the office. He goes, oh, I said, dude, trust me. <laughs> I trust my judgment on this. I'm not going to have you drive off the road because you were so blown out about what we're going to be talking about. And he goes, good call after I told him later. That's awesome. But, and you know, your clients and, and that's also part of the creative process, right? Is getting yeah. to know who we're working with. I love that. Okay. Third question. What leadership qualities do you bring to your leadership to maintain your branding as a branding expert? How's that for a question? That's a, that's a wild question. Ask me that again. <laughs> what, what leadership qualities do you bring to your leadership, so the leadership of your company, to maintain being a branding expert? What's in your toolkit every day that's non-negotiable, that has to be there so that people see and view you continually and sustainably as a branding expert? Lack of complacency and lack of laziness. See, you didn't even have to think about it. I mean, uh, complacency is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a life suck. It absolutely. It's like, you know, oh, we're, we're great. We're fine. We're cool. We're this, we're that, da, 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 da. And, and laziness is like, to me, laziness is like, is autopilot. And so lazy doesn't mean, oh, I don't want to exert the energy. No, lazy means you're going on autopilot. It means you're just going through the motions. You, you're not injecting new life into it, newly fresh right now, every day. Because the bottom line is, is we're all one moment away from being out of work or losing a client. Or, um, or having the economy go crazy, or having a pandemic, mm -hmm. right? So why would I? Why would I allow laziness? Because if I if I'm not lazy with my observation, and I'm not lazy with my in inspection of things, and not lazy with my ability to extrapolate, and not lazy to uh, not lazy and and failing to ask why or why not. See, to me, those, so just doing those things are factors of not being lazy. And by doing that, I can stay ahead of the curve enough. So that way I don't get thrown off by the things that are, that are beyond my control. And I think that that's what, that's what I bring. Well, and, and that laziness and getting complacent, I think is just a cousin to being procrastinating and we have to show up every day with, with, it's non-negotiable consistency. But, but, but procrastination, procrastination is a different factor that has to do with, with putting things off and, and time. Laziness is like, okay, you're sure, at least the laziness that I'm, that I'm specifying here has to do with, I'm showing up, but I'm only going 20% in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's almost like a pretense. It's like, well, well, why? Why are you wasting your time and my time? Mm-hmm. Why are you going to show up at 20%? Why are you going to show up at 40%? Why are you going to show up at 60 or 70%? Why are you not going to be here 180? Like right now, and then right now again, and right now again. And that's the push that I put on myself and, and, and others because it's the, it's the winning way. Mm-hmm. Not just from a compulsive have to, you know, but just like it's the winning way. Every great athlete, every great leader, every great inspire author, writer, uh, actor, they, what, what did they do? They all had this one trait that they all shared. And that, sh- and that trait was they, were, they knew they needed to be their worst enemy. They needed to be the, their greatest threat to their, their, their achievement. Okay, I've achieved this today. I've, I've scored 75 points. Tomorrow, I need to so- score 80. Because what did they know? If they didn't, someone else was going to. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I, I read and loved in Steve Jobs' book, where it was like once they completed the iPad, they finally got the iPad. It was like they got it nailed. His next question was, this is excellent. Good. Now show me iPad 2 and iPad 3. Because if you're not willing to expire your own greatness and your, or, or mm-hmm. that you hold in the world, someone's going to expire it for you. So be your own worst enemy. That's the greatest way to stay ahead. I love that. I, I threw that little procrastination comment because I knew you were going to unpack it. <laughs> okay, last leadership question. If you could give our listeners one nugget of wisdom to help them be better leaders in regard to branding their business, what's one simple little nugget of wisdom you could drop for us today? The most important person in the room is the other person, not you. Can you say that again, please? (laughs) The most important person in the room is the other person, not you. Not that I'm saying this to your listeners. The most important person in the room is that other person that you are talking to, not yourself. And so, um, yeah, you're the, and even if you're there to help, I mean, it's the thing that I go over even in my, I mean, I go over, it's one of the first things I go over just even in the masterclass part where I'm really, I'm, I'm essentially mentoring and, and, and educating, you know, 15, 20 or 25 uh, entrepreneurs from around the world I'm saying, here's the deal. The most important person here, and I tell every one of them is you. It's not me because you're taking my class. Mm-hmm. No, it's like, I'm here simply to facilitate. And, and the bottom line is, is, and I tell them, I marry it with this other concept. And I say, look, the, here's the bottom line. You don't need a brand. I know you're taking this. And, that, and that's rather shocking for them to go, wait a second, I just signed up for the brand intervention masterclass. Then, yeah, you don't. And, but I say, no, you don't need a brand. Your brand needs you. And my job is to help give you back you so that you can empower your brand. And they're like, gives them a whole new viewpoint. And, but, that's, but that's the thing. And if you really, if you really can get behind that, and that was a tough one for me to learn because being coming from an artistic background, I thought everything had to do with my artistic talent. I thought that was, that was the thing, the, the metric that determined my value of who would hire me, who would want to, who would want to, you know, t- you know, hire me for my uh, talents, my skills and da, 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 da. And so I, it was always like, well, me, right? Well, me, right? Well, me. And it was at a certain point, I was like, wait a second, where is it? I had to flesh out because that, that, that's a 
your days are numbered when you have that structure. Oh, and there's lots of parallel conversations we could have off that. So isn't that an interesting wisdom of nugget? But I mean, it goes to anything, leadership, marketing, managing, heart-centered leadership. Okay, we're going to move into the Fab Four. We want to know what's sitting on that creative, cappuccino drinking, brilliant mind of yours. Tell us something that we don't know about David Breyer. That I was intrigued with, with I was intrigued with the opposite sex, even, even when I was a young little lad, you know, at, at about four or five years old, I was like, I was like, oh, kind of, you know, kind of cute, interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to investigate this. I, I found, I found, I found girls interesting. <laughs> so, so and, and, it, and it was, and it was a conversation that my wife and I had recently had. She goes, you're interested in girls that young? And I was like, yep. <laughs> I love it. That's. That's so sweet. And there's a Mrs. Breyer. So there you go. It worked out for you. Absolutely. Okay. Second question. If you could have dinner with anyone, whether it be someone who's famous or that you would view as a leader, either living or who's passed away, who would it be? And why would you want to have dinner with them? What would the conversation be? Wow. A few, a few came to mind. Do I choose just one? You, whatever's on your heart is what you can share. Okay. Three. Tell us who the three are. I'd like to hear who they are. Three. So one, Steve Jobs. Mm. I'd really just love to not Steve Jobs, you know, seeing that not the, not, not the Steve, I, Steve Jobs icon, just like hanging and chilling. It's like a real heart to heart with Steve, you know, Steve, the individual who was driven. Yeah, and, and we got glimpses of that, of that, and not, not, you know, again, not Steve Jobs, the amazing sales presenter that with the presentations, which were brilliant, but you know, that relentless passion that the artist, Steve Jobs, the artist, that's what I, I lo- I'd love to have that conversation. I would love to have had a heart to heart with Martin Luther King, one of the most brilliant orators ever. Um, an incredible viewpoint, incredible humanity. And I'd love to have sat down and just spoken, broken bread, talked. That just would have been interesting, just again, uh, heart to heart. And then lastly, someone that, unless you have people who are, uh, have been in the design business for a while, the person who actually influenced me to move had the impact for me to make that change of decision going from illustrator to designer. His name is Herb Ballin. I had an interview with him once and, and he socially, he was, if you saw his work, his work commanded, you could not walk into a room with his work and not just stop in your tracks and just stare at it. It had that much impact and meaning and, and power, but socially he was, quiet, not awkward, just not, didn't say very much, which was like a, a 180 degree dichotomy. And I had this interview with him and, and someone, and there were some people who said, oh, you have an interview with Herb. Okay. If, you know, they, they said, if he stops on a page, if he stops on a page and or clears his throat, that is the highest compliment that you can get. 
And so it was, it was interesting from that standpoint of, and I got, I got one of those. I'm proud to say I got one of those in, in my interview. Um, but he, when you put him in front of a room, in a podium, oh my God, the brightest mind in the room mm-hmm. would get you to look and think. And to me, the greatest, the greatest value of those of us, the greatest value we bring is to encourage and inspire people to look for themselves, to inspect things for themselves. You know, I don't want people to think like me. I don't want people to, if I inspire them, if I light up the spark, great, but don't try to, you don't need to try to be like me. You know, you don't need to try and do what I've done. Like, what, what are you going to do? What, what, like, like, just make me envious. Like, wow, I didn't see that coming. That was amazing. Right. That that's, that's the magic. Well, and just awakening that self-awareness for people is such a gift, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. And it's, it's neat that you had three right on top of mind that, you know, if, if, if it was at all possible, you'd sit and have a conversation, but I love the way you described kind of your mentor, different guy in a one-to-one conversation versus watching him lecture. And we can say that about a lot of people and it's so impactful how they have different modes of communication and can affect us with different levels of emotion. So that's powerful. Yeah. So, so cool. Okay. Third question. What advice would you give to a new business owner who think they need branding? to get started and put a shingle up to say they're in business. Cause I'm sure you get asked that a lot. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd say, first of all, I'd say from the standpoint of getting seen and heard in the world, they're right. They do need a brand, but do not use that or mistake that for being something in place of you. Mm-hmm. It's not lipstick. It's not like, Oh, here's the brand. If that if there, if there's a big gap between you and that brand, you being the entrepreneur, or you being the CEO, or you being the thought leader in that space, or for that industry, or for that company, um, don't you know? Don't lessen that. I just I am known for threatening people with great passion when they actually make less of themselves because I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a minute. You bring that, you bring that crap into my world. I well, mean, I, you may, I want to throw in another question here. Cause I, I think it's got a lot of merit because yeah. you've worked with a lot of big, big brands and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's certain brands that we just know and we love and they, they evoke emotion in us. So Talk about maybe one of your favorite accounts. I know they're all your favorite, but what's one that you just, you really threw yourself in and, and kind of like you talked about earlier, you knew what the end result was, but maybe you took a little detour to get there and your vision landed up being a little bit different for that account. Like, I think, I think there's merit in that story so that people can see how relatable you are and you're not new in business, but you still go through those thought processes. Totally, totally. So, so you want? Let's talk about Estee Lauder because I because I love perfume and I and you often use it in your in your branding and your purple beautiful bottles. 
See, you know, I mean, it's you see, what's very interesting though is is that is that, I mean, that that was early in early in my career. I mean, actually, I'm going to use a different one. I'm going to use New York City Ballet. Okay. You know, New York City Ballet was a was a, a something that I was I was really feeling out my skill sets for conveying a concept and capturing this and capturing that, and what I found was that was one where I really brought all of the components and people love that. And, and I guess the thing that was, that was the most successful thing for me, I remember hearing from some Asian people who had looked at it they, and they couldn't read any, any of the English characters, but because of the design, they knew exactly. They knew yeah. it was city ballet. And that was, that to me was kind of like the, the little magical, Ooh, Ooh, we actually have something that can kind of transcend language itself you know language is a barriers tool. barriers language. right well yeah well i mean well language is a tool language and language can be used as a crutch mm-hmm. and my whole thing is is if we're if what we're doing is not amplifying and elevating those things such as you know language and color and meaning and and ideas and stories then then we're 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 thinking you know it's kind of it's kind of like it's kind of like this there was a uh, there was um an art tour. There was a tour that I participated in, uh, I don't know, a little, little over a decade ago. And you and you see a little bit of the art here and you see the art on the walls. So there's a lot in this zillions of stuff over here. But the basic thing is, is that I created this art series and this person asked me and, oh man, I, I just had to like pre- prevent myself from like jumping down their throat because they said, he said, oh, so you do this stuff on computer. What programs do you use? <laughs> I was ready to kill them, right? Because I'm, go- I'm seeing where they're going. They're like, oh, if I, if I have the programs, I can now do this. No, you can't. So I, so I said to her, and I looked at her as, as kindly as I could. And I said, you know, I said to me, the programs don't do anything. They're just, they happen to be the tool, the vehicle. They, you know, and I said, like, like, and I pulled out a pencil. I had a little pencil. I pulled out a pencil and I said, you know what? In my viewpoint, this pencil, this was the first computer here. Yeah. Draw something. Yeah. And so, and I said to him and I said, and, and I closed it out with just saying this. I said, look, the microphone didn't make the Beatles sound good. The Beatles made the microphone sound good. Right. And I left it at that. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many cliches. It's like, you know, when Microsoft came out with Windows and everybody panicked and it was like the keyboard still has a function. The mouse is just it's just its new cousin involved. But you can still it's funny you say that when I I used to teach introduction to Windows classes at our local college and on the last class, I unplugged all the mice. And they're all looking at me like, what is she doing? And I said, someday. There's going to be a morning where you come into work early to finish something for your boss and you're going to go move that mouse and it's not going to work. And there's no IT guy to call because you came in early. Guess what? The keyboard was the predecessor to the mouse. And I want you to learn how to get around a windows without the mouse. I can't even tell you how many of them. And this is before email really got taken off. They were like, it happened. And I didn't panic because you taught me. But when they first came in and they're all looking for the mouse and I thought I wanted to teach them for something that was going to be situational. 
So, so perfect. Cool. Perfect. Okay. My last question. This is the one I can't wait to hear. Yeah. What do you want your legacy to be? My legacy for me, my legacy would be that my work and the places that I chose to apply my talents helped pave a way for people to think for themselves, to be independent, to not mistake the finish line or not mistake a starting line for a finish line. And, and if that were to happen, then people would actually be more brilliant, be more ingenious, rise up to what they're capable of achieving. That's what matters to me. Um, I love, I love to the ends of the earth, the look on people's faces when they discover what's possible. And it is just the most rewarding thing in the world to me. And so that, that is what's exciting. The, 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 the least exciting part is, and I stopped doing this years ago. It was like when occasionally I would take on a, take on a client that I would, who, who was exceedingly selfish. They're very basically exceedingly just the bad version of capitalism. Where it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to make more money so that there's more commas and period and zeros in my bank account. No, if you're not, if you're not putting that and rechanneling that to do other things, to make other things possible and doing various things, it's it that's like that that that's very very futile and very very lonely. So that's what I love is I I love I love that reciprocal component and that discovery. And I love people being able to think for themselves that nothing, not look for yourself, conclude for yourself, think for yourself, you know, and, and just have that freedom, have that, have that, uh, I, I call it that the men have the, have the, the limberness of mental Pilates. Well, it's funny that you say that because I, I shared with you that I had a staycation because nobody's going anywhere right now. And I read your book and it's not too often that I can read someone's book and hear their voice Mm. and I could hear your voice. And I don't know if it's, well, I do know now that I've talked to you, you were methodical in the color scheme and the font and the size and how you did the pagination and all of that. And it's kind of like when Netflix ends an episode and you look at your, your spouse and go, okay, we're going to stay up just to watch this one. And of course they leave you on a cliffhanger. So what do you do on a weeknight? You stay up later. And then the next thing it's two o'clock in the morning and you're like, this is ridiculous. And I always say, well done writers. That's why I read the book in the afternoon because I could hear you. And it was like, okay. And, And it was like, you were putting all of these cognitive points together for me it was like this mental pilates puzzle so it was really well done and i i could see your passion and i see it in all that you do i could listen to your voice all day seriously and i think that you're such a gift to the branding world because it's like anything else there's people that do it well people that do it okay and people that really should be in another job but that's a whole other podcast 
So I just want to commend you because I, I really do love what you represent and you do ignite and exude that heart centered quality because when our clients do well, it makes us know that we're still evolving as human beings as well. And it's never about us. It doesn't matter what sector you're in. We're all in the people business. So I just wanted to give you a, a virtual high five and just say much, much admiration from here. And I love all of your work. We're going to put all of David's information below in the podcast episode description. I know he's got a spring masterclass coming up that I'm even going to consider jumping into. Um, I think if we stop learning and growing as a yoga teacher, I always say we have to continue to be, but that doesn't mean that we stop growing, learning and listening. Exactly. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank David. you. That's very, very wonderful. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that very much. Well, thank you for taking the time to, to be on Imperfect. It was fun learning a little bit more about you. And we look forward to, to putting our interview out on the, the waves of the internet. And thank you for what you bring to the branding world. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Deb. My pleasure. If you like the show, give us a rating and a review. Make sure you go to David's website. He's got an amazing amazing amount of information that he puts out there even if you're looking to get started he's got a downloadable ebook I highly recommend his book you can read it in an afternoon because I did it so this is Deb Crow thank you once again for joining me on Imperfect the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast until next time you've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast I'm Deb Crow If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.